0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to an awesome fall episode of Ignite Radio Live oh, on the fifth anniversary. I have to say that oh, yes. this is the fifth anniversary, folks. This marks this month marks five years of this program going on on a weekly basis. Praise God! Most of the time, brand new episodes at IgniteRadioLive.com. So. Over the five mighty stations
1: of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleeter, and we are blessed to be with you, in particular, on this feast day of mm-hmm. one of our dearest and favoritest—I am using that word—Saints, um, Saint Therese of Lisieux, the Little Flower, our little friend. Shout out to Little Flower Parish yes. here in our diocese, Father Dave Ness and company. We love you guys, and we celebrate this feast Mm -hmm. with you.
0: So, Steph, we didn't plan on this. And by the way, tonight, folks, it's Steph and Greg Solo. Look out. uh, we want to proclaim the good news, because there's a lot of bad news out there. There's a lot of negativity spinning around, both in the political atmosphere and the ecclesial atmosphere, which covers it all, because we're all woven into God. And uh, there's a lot of debris out there. And many of us, if we're real honest, maybe feel that heaviness. Add to it just a ton or the calamity that we experience maybe in the papers in addition to that, in our own homes. And we need to proclaim the good news. I love that word euangelion, evangelization, but the Greek word root, euangelion, to good news somebody. Even that angel, like angel, you get that, right? Angel news, to good news somebody. We're called to do it. And uh, how often do we, though? How often do we get stuck in the muck? I didn't plan on that rhyme. I like it. But we get stuck in the muck and it just, you know, it influences our minds and our hearts and our attitudes. We really encourage you tonight to think of something that you want to proclaim to somebody around you. And if you want to share it with us, I'm going to invite you, if if you're on Facebook, to go to my top post, Greg Schleter, and share some good news. Something that happened that you want to thank God for. But I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Steph, you introduced this magnificent day. October 1st is the Feast of the Little Flower of the Child Jesus. And for those of you who aren't Catholic, or maybe are Catholic but don't get it, we're a community. And uh, God could have and can speak to us directly. We call that a theophany. He's capable and did throughout history at times speak directly to his people. In fact, if you look at the New Testament with one who persecuted the Christians, Paul, right? Saul at the time. God spoke with this mighty theophany from the heavens. And some of us may sit back and say, well, why doesn't he do that? He's capable of doing that. It sure would make a great difference, right, if just right now, God, do that thing that you did to Saul to everybody on the planet. Save us the ardor, the difficulty. I I think that quite often. But the reality is he chooses to communicate through you and me. Why? Because he wants to incorporate us into the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And he wants to communicate and make his salvation accessible through you and me. Now, there's a mighty privilege there because it means if he's, in some ways, Making his salvation known through you and me, our willingness to communicate, that means if we don't share the good news, if we don't share the faith, if we don't give witness to it, some people may be deprived of that good news. He makes us responsible. So there's a high call there, and uh, that's the idea of the saints, right? The saints are the body of Christ in heaven. Church triumphant, where are the church kind of still fighting down here. The church militant, sometimes called the church suffering. And we're all united if we're seeking the heart of Christ, baptized into him. And we share by God's choice by his beauty, in the magnificence of bringing others into great intimacy with him. And on this day, we celebrate and honor the soul, the story of a soul, a beautiful little soul, little flower, the child Jesus. So, Steph, I don't know if you've got a good little flower story in the queue. I should have cued you first to tell you that's where I was yeah, going. Yeah, you should have. But if you're ready, because <laughs> I do have one, but I have to take a sip of water from all that blabbing. So, share a little flower story. So,
1: It's uh, St. Therese was always one of my dearest heavenly friends from the time I was little. And I think I was uh, first introduced to her by the dear sisters uh, in my grade school that educated me. Erie, Pennsylvania. Erie, Pennsylvania, the Congregation of the Divine Spirit is the name of their order. Um, But anyway, they were very beautiful in teaching us. All about the saints mm-hmm. and you know the apparitions of our Lady, and woven into so much in our Catholic formation, which was just awesome but um, she Saint Therese lost her mother when she was quite young, and that was something that I had in common with her, so I felt very kindred with her right away and um, I always felt little and uh, so again, just united with her in those ways. Um, I don't have a story in the queue, although I could tell a gazillion little Therese stories. Give us one. Well, no, I just want to share a, um, one of my favorite quotes of hers that Please. has really um, stuck with me that I don't live out well, but I just think is so powerful and profound in a very simple way as she was. Um, I'm sorry if it's not exact, but the gist of it is a prayer to the Lord and it goes like this, as Elvis once said, um, "Jesus, may I love you like nobody else has ever loved you mm-hmm. before." And just that just always struck me and has stuck with me in the sense of just personal relationship with Jesus, right? That we just we each have a unique relationship with Him, right? But also, doesn't that like, it always just fired me up. Like, what can I do special that nobody has done that would make him feel so love. loved or that I'm reciprocating the amazing love that I, you know, am only experiencing or allowing myself to experience in such a little way. But just just that prayer, Lord Jesus, let me love you like nobody else Beautiful. has ever loved you before.
0: So, Steph, I want to cue up for you sharing the powerful testimony that we talked about at the dinner table tonight. Before we go there, my little flower story. I'm going to take you back to 1996, which was my third or fourth year discerning the priesthood. I had spent the first year of that with Father Benedict Grishel. I was traveling around the country and evangelizing on various stages for the Franciscan University of Steubenville, a profoundly moving time to share the story of God alive, and I digress. I can't go off on that. Anyways, Father Benedict Rochelle invited me to discern with him, and I spent a year with him, and then discovered I really wasn't called to be a religious CFR, and that uh, was the Order, Franciscan Friars, the Renewal, and found myself at Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland. I'd always had a strong desire to married marriage uh, life, married life, and family life. But I had this yearning in my heart that needed to be resolved of knowing that I was not doing my will, but following God's will. So, uh, led by great spiritual direction to Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, studying for the Diocese of Peoria, Illinois. Loved the brotherhood, loved the prayer, loved the uh, divine office, the mass, loved the study of theology. I liked that there was a college nearby, right next door, uh, on the campus and to connect with them you heard Father Kevin Peake here um, blessed by the sports that we had with the brothers it was just a phenomenal place anyways um, the theology of the body was introduced to me perhaps a year into my seminary time and it opened my heart and mind to this beautiful teaching of Pope John Paul II uh, mm-hmm. what is theology of the body? well theology theo-god-ology study God's study of the body in sum this tremendous insight in scripture, of how our bodies disclose God, reveal something of God. This beautiful teaching found throughout scripture in Genesis in a particular way, and uh, how really the sum is that marriage and family life is iconic. You've seen icons on walls or pictures, but marriage, marriage and family life is the greatest icon, God's greatest selfie. To to Him, you've heard the statement that the uh, father and son love each other so much that you that it's the Holy Spirit. Well, husband and wife love each other so much that if they're open to God, who's the heart, you could give that child a name. They image of the Trinity. So that really touched me, moved me in a profound way, made me aware that as awesome and magnificent as the priesthood is. That I had the distinct sense that I'm called to live out that vocation, that love, who is God, revealed himself to me in a way that looked like marriage. So, all the hard discernment, right? And I'm really, you know, in the midst of seminary and experiencing this, you know, am I really called to leave seminary and, and to enter into marriage and family life? And I turned to St. Joseph, who was always there. So, after Mass, I would go to the statue, which in this chapel at Mount St. Mary's was to the back right. So I go there after Mass and pray every day. But the little flower, I, I had a novena, and I ended up going, started going there for nine consecutive days. And on the ninth day, praying there, saying, please make it clear. And obviously it's more than just You know, coincidence or or, it's really more of a validation of something that we're already aware of, that we're already attuned to, but a little consolation from heaven, a little encouragement from heaven, right? So going back there on the ninth day, kneeling before St. Joseph, asking to reveal my vocation more clearly thinking i may be called to marriage and family life is a bouquet of beautiful red roses so that was an indication to me um an affirmation again that i'm called the marriage and family life fast forward here i am 2019 on the feast of little flower child jesus since it was i guess 1996 back then married to my wonderful wife and uh, having our beautiful seven children we refer to seven because six living but we have a beautiful soul in heaven who is therese by the way so i wasn't even thinking about that steph
1: absolutely so
0: there's my therese story
1: well i'm just i'm going to add something for our dear listeners you're with greg and stephanie schleter ignite radio live and yes we are so live tonight this is stream of consciousness in this moment as greg told that wonderful story Um, but I want to throw into it, rewind it a little bit as he fast forward to the present moment. Um, when we decided to start dating, I had been doing a novena to St. Therese. And I know many of you dear listeners, um, find her as a powerful intercessor. And it was not specifically for, you know, the dating thing to happen, but just an openness and leading in God's will and such. And I was, um, gone for the week, uh, helping to lead um, uh, CLI, Catholic Leadership Institute, in Erie, Pennsylvania. And um, so I was returning back on a Friday of that week, and that mm-hmm. was the night that we were, that Greg had asked me out, kind of, sort of-ish. And um, Justin Fatica from Heart as Nails Ministry
0: actually crashed amazing.
1: the date. But another story for another and time. Sister Nicole? Yes, and um, Sister Faustina. To be Sister Faustina. Yep. Um, so... I digress, but when I came home, there sitting in a vase on my kitchen table were three roses, a pink one, <laughs> I'm sorry, a yellow one, a white one, and a red one, and I thought, ah, oh, he must think I'm doing the St. Therese Novena, and he wants to Not sure true. all the bases are covered. Because those of you who aren't familiar with it, very often um, St. Therese will bless a petition with a rose, and very often, as you know, We get to be sticklers in it. We will pray for a specific color, for a specific answer. So I feel like she has been with us all along um, in interceding. And our daughter, Anne-Marie, I haven't read it yet. Somebody had sent it. She has a blog, Captivated Freedom, and apparently her... Um, blog today is all about the powerful intercession of St. Therese.
0: Wonderful. So we are asking you folks to share the good news and I'm directing you to my Facebook page. You could also email me if you'd like. Uh, Greg at MassImpact.us. But on my Facebook page, Greg Schleter, they're starting to populate here, I'll say, with two. We'd like to see more. But my brother, priest, friend in Christ, Father Mark Moretti, who is from the Mount days, appropriate, very simple. He says, uh, well, I woke up this morning and I didn't see my name in the obituary column. (laughs) So, (laughs) right, praise God for that. Um, And I have another one, but we'll just spare these space these out. But please uh, go there and post and share what is good news in your life. So probably three, four days ago, I was experiencing the heaviness of our political situation, the whole infamous transcript. And uh, we won't get into that, but maybe worthy of a conversation from a faith aspect at some point. Um, And the ecclesial reality with the Amazon Synod and commentary around that, so many of these things are beyond our control, and we hear such conflicting reports, don't we? So I was feeling heavy and praying into that, and I came home from I don't know where, and I was really busy, but the Lord put on my heart, which I don't do, to pull out my phone and share my immediate thoughts, which were simply this. They were that there's really two uh, extremes that we can go to in dealing with the calamity of this world. One is a place of disinterest or disengagement. Well, that's an error of denying God's taking on flesh and blood. He wants us to be in this world. He wants us to be engaged in this world. If you read the Catechism 1778, he's given us consciences to look around us and to act on the world around us, to be instruments of salvation to those people around us. We cannot be disinterested. We've got to be sufficiently informed about the realities. Some are obviously weightier than others. The abortion situation, right? We all ought to be not just familiar with this, but we ought to be acting upon it. We ought to be attuned to our brother, uh, Peter, Range and the good things happening to motivate us to pray and to be united. The 40 days for life. So these are things that really we ought to be engaged with. And I just want to make the point that if we're not, many of us really commit the sin of omission. We just neglect places of um, call to be present. So one extreme is disinterest. Non-engagement. We all need to be engaged appropriately. The other extreme is being so immersed in the news and in what's happening that maybe we even experience a kind of despair, like a helplessness. And that's kind of an idolatry. Jesus Christ is Lord, and he's overall, and we should never in our souls and our attitudes feel like there's anything that is more powerful than him. Yes, even in his permissive will, right? We see a lot of these things happen. We see the evil happen. It, it troubles us. But we have to declare God as overall and recognize that he has the authority, he has the power, and to be attuned to how he wants us to work. So with those two things said, the question becomes, well, what are we called to do? And I don't have an answer for every person who's listening right now. We ought to be praying, though, Lord, how are you calling me particularly? But there is one thing I think we all ought to be attuned to, and that is there's no greater power around us than what God wants to do within us. I'll say that again, of all the important things that we would love to see happen, changed overnight, changed in a moment, we should pray for those things, yes, but there's no greater power for each of us around us than what God wants to do within us, and particularly in our marriages and families. And so a little bit that I'm sharing with you folks now is what came out when I captured this on video and posted it and. A few thousand people seem to be sharing it, and I thank God that it's blessing them. But the simple idea that how much time do we devote in our marriages and families to talking and praying? When's the last time in your home you set aside the devices, the distractions, the digital entertainment, maybe lit a candle, brought people together and say, you know, let's, let's really, it's awkward, it's difficult sometimes, but let's really attune our hearts to God. Maybe you begin with a decade of the rosary. Maybe a whole rosary. That's good. But really open our hearts to pray with and for and even over one another. So we're going to invite you, and this is a bit of a commercial at the end of this, and then I'll cue Stephanie to share a very beautiful story. But um, beginning November, so seven weeks out from Christmas. It's crazy, right? That's a month from now. Seven weeks out from Christmas, beginning November. We're going to invite you to join us in committing to seven consecutive weeks of talking and praying in your home. We know that y'all want to. We know those of you who've experienced powerful things on retreats, you parents, you know you want to create a culture where your children are sharing what's going on in their lives, what's happening under the hood. This is that opportunity. So I'm telling you now, a month out, beginning in November, to use the Live It Gathering Guide at Mass. ILoveMyFamily.us. If you go to ILoveMyFamily.us, by the way, a whole lot of folks have been doing this as a way of life. And um, they report that it's truly been transformational. It's been a phenomenal occasion to discover God more fully alive. And when we allow him to come in our lives this way, when we experience holy community that flows from holy communion, he heals, he forgives, he has mercy, he transforms. That kinetic electrical debris that many of us experience under our roofs, it just dissipates when we open the door to come together to have authentic, meaningful conversation that's what we're about so we're five years into this radio program a little more than five years into this movement of mass impact we invite you to join us and even if you're so moved i'm going to say this too if you want to support us i'm just going to be really honest uh we're very blessed one third of our budget is covered by monthly Benefactors, We're so grateful for all of you. We lift you up on a daily basis. We pray for you personally. Um, anywhere from $5 a month to somebody does donate $250 a month. That covers about one-third of our costs. We want to reach so much further. So I ask you to please pray about jumping on board at this critical time. We really don't do a lot of fundraising things. But where can you do that? Go to Mass Impact us and see the Donate button. MassImpact.us. Click on the Donate button and just consider partnering with us. We have a phenomenal board. They hold everything accountable. It's all transparent. So many awesome volunteers and leaders. We want to reach so much deeper and further. So pray with us and unite with us in seeing this place, this area, become a holy Toledo, but it's spreading even further apart throughout the country. Stephanie.
1: So I have so much going through my mind as you're talking, which is kind of scary, especially because I felt today I was kind of in a little snarky mood (laughs) in regards to... It's a good word. It is a good word. Just the stuff of culture, the stuff of politics, as you said, the stuff going on in the church, just everything, right? It's just Mm -hmm. the stuff of life.
0: Yucky, toxic,
1: And so much of it is so simple it all comes back to the family mm-hmm. and that's what we have control over. So if anything, my snarkiness was just a frustration of, um, what are we doing in our families? We can watch the news. We can grump about this. We can be snarky about that, all those things. But what we have control over is right there. And mm-hmm. how often we choose, not to enter in, not to make the difference we're called to make, not to be that good news that we are called to proclaim, and so um, I guess I think of so much. You know, as we talk about family, and um, it was interesting also this morning listening to EWTN Radio um, Morning Glory, and uh, Dr. Greg Popcheck was a, it's fil- a fun name to say. It is Popcheck. Um, he was referring to uh, a show that he and his wife had done, um, yesterday just about family prayer and spousal Mm -hmm. prayer and family in general. So I encourage, I have not listened to it yet as he was giving a little few highlights there. It was, it sounded very interesting, but one of the things that he pointed out along those lines um, were some statistics, one of which we have shared with you, our listeners, before um, one of the Pew studies or some study or something was um, that only 13% of practicing mm-hmm. Catholics, church-going Catholics, even pray as a family before meals. 13%.
0: Baseline. Baseline faith.
1: Yes. And then the, the one of the other stats that he shared that really struck me was That only seventeen percent of practicing Catholic couples pray together. Mm -hmm. So it just it struck me like okay, and you know we work with families and couples, and we're blessed in our ministry, right? And so we know the real deal. And those stats not a finger pointing, (laughs) right? Pretty accurate, but how can we change if we if we're wanting? to take our role as parents as spouse as you know church member as whatever seriously the most basic thing is prayers relationship with god on that personal level and then certainly with our spouse with our children and why why is that always the the first thing to go
0: yeah and we found that unfortunately, even in Catholic schools, didn't we? Many of them, when there was a need or a demand, religion class was, was kind of the first to one go. to go. But to your point, we aren't saying that to bash. We're saying that to be availed to blessing. I'll say yes, that again. Yes. We're not pointing out these things and making, because we certainly have our many things where we find ourselves distant from where God wants. But not just to be bashed, if you will, but to say, wow, God, you want to pour forth so much more blessing. But guess what, brothers and sisters who are listening, we got to receive it. Like we got to choose to receive the grace poured out. I could be a billionaire and die of starvation because I have this trust in my bank that I could use, but I'm not spending it. I'm not using it. Well, by virtue of the sacraments, we've got the equivalent of billions in the bank in terms of grace, but we got to spend it. we got to devote ourselves to that. And I think one of the big things that stands in the way, because we've begun to ask this question, okay, people want to do this. Godly dads and moms want to make their homes cultures of encounter and they know that means prayer they know that means that attunement to god that maybe they've only experienced on retreats okay got it how do we help them what are the hurdles and how do we get them over those hurdles one huge one i will say and it's in the book jim collins good to great is people are infatuated with activity and with the good Well, it's a good thing. This is a good thing. That activity is a good thing. That weekend is a good thing. That retreat is a good thing. Send them to the summer camp. It's a good thing. Go to the youth group. That's a good thing. All that is wonderful. But if it's not translating into being lived in the home, it's being equating faith with abandonment. It's equating faith with just kind of a connect the dots, not a flush Rembrandt, not something that is lived and breathed. And when kids, you know, leave their homes, they They don't have a sense that this is something that is meant to be a lived experience, particularly in marriage and family. So don't throw away the great for the good, would be my summary in those words. The great is bringing your family together and encountering Christ in the sanctuary, in the Ecclesia Domestica that is your home, and it's under attack. Don't get me wrong, you know, that the devices are things that we leaders, everybody is going to struggle with, but we got to set those aside and realize how much further down the road of faith are we a week, a month, three months down the road by letting gadgets dictate our existence at home. We know on average, people spend nine hours a day in front of these devices. How much further ahead is our faith and our relationships as a result of immersion there? Dad and mom, that may take sort of a decisive step in saying, hey, guys, you know, I know it's attractive. I like my device as much as anybody, but is it bringing us closer? Is it giving us a sense of peace, a sense of connectivity, a sense of tranquility? Is it making us better? And we all know the stats that have come out, particularly in the last year or two, that in recorded history, it's the most depressed society ever. The people experience tremendous alienation and isolation from this digital slavery, these digital dungeons. So true, so true. So yes. The good news. It is good it news. It can be different.
1: But sometimes, right, sometimes that good news comes through the form of a reality check, right? So we speak of, you know, domestic church like you just mentioned, and we, we want what's best for our kids and You know, we see different families um, who might have something that we desire. Are we willing to do the work to get there? Are we willing to take our responsibility as parents in particular, I'm going to speak to right now, that the souls that are entrusted to us, to take that seriously and to... um, help to form. You know, I often think about each of our kids baptisms or as we're, Mm. you know, blessed to be at any baptism, whether it's just a parish mass or, you know, people that we're close to. And we vow, we promise to not just raise them in the faith, you know, in regards to a checklist thing, but introduce them, Mm -hmm. you know, to a relationship with the Trinity. Mm -hmm. And, to form them in the faith, and that doesn't just happen for sixty minutes on a Sunday. And so again, I guess I just encourage you, if you're signing your kids up for camp or signing them up for a service project or signing them up for this, or making sure they're involved over here with that, and you know all the sports things, which are good. you know, JP two gives beautiful witness to all those things of life, right? Whether it's sports or drama, or you know, fill in the blank, they all are forms of worship. They all have can have God in them, right? And to be fully human is to be fully alive like that. But are we making the same deliberate, intentional moves and decisions and g- providing opportunities of faith from us, not just handing it off to somebody else? So parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, I encourage you to rally around what it really means to form each other in the faith in relationship how can we support how can we support one another you know somebody said recently that you can tell people's priorities by two things one is looking at their checkbook or credit card bill <laughs> and two their calendar you know we have our our currency that we're blessed with immensely in this country right but time you know we should have more time than ever with all of modernity Um, modern yes and you know all these things that supposedly make so much so many more things efficient and so much quicker and this and that and the other thing and yet we we just spend it like it's like it's going out of style on things that really don't last that really aren't as important um so that was my little tangent would you like me to tell my story now
0: no uh (laughs) because i it's an awesome story and um just as we're going in tandem here a little bit uh, of good news this weekend. Stephanie and I are going to be joined by five other couples and father Jeff Macbeth from Mm -hmm. Huron uh, on a retreat. We call it a mission one marriage retreat. What's awesome about this is it it has four movements through the retreat. Uh, It's about the kingdom alive. Personally, kingdom alive in our marriage, kingdom alive in our family and kingdom alive in the world. And in each particular area we identify in scripture and in our church, we'll call them evaluatives, very specific areas that we can rate ourselves as to how we're doing. And again, the goal isn't to bash, is to see the occasion of being blessed. And um, to discover this as couples, not simply a moment this weekend, but it's meant to be open the door to consider how can we consider our discretionary time How can we prioritize our discretionary time to be an occasion of becoming saints and our homes becoming saints and to do it together? I mean, how many of us of you listening right now would be delighted to be united with families that share a common mission of uniting your discretionary time to become saints, to make yourselves the best versions of yourselves? Stephanie inherited that culture substantially in her family. I certainly did also. And I'll say in the last five years, a huge proclamation are the innumerable families and marriages that have started to connect with the fact that this gift of time, as Stephanie is speaking, and money, but the gift of time is an occasion of our kids being truly awesome, being fully alive, knowing their faith, knowing their purpose, knowing where they're meant to be in this world and how to make a difference. There's nothing more exciting for a parent than seeing their kids do that, to know they own their faith, not just katech, that they could regurgitate it, but they get the vitality of Christ alive in wherever they're called to be. There's nothing more awesome. I've said before, my house could burn down. I could lose everything. And I would have, I would consider that nothing compared to the, the gift of having my wife and my children and community united in this. So I family. I want to direct you there again. Where's a beginning point? There's a beginning point. Simple one-page description uh, that is moving many people making it very accessible to bring their families together to talk and pray. And I'm right now simply going to proclaim the second reading for this coming Sunday because it's a lot of good news. Again, euangelion, good news. Let's listen to what Timothy has to say to us. Beloved, I remind you to stir into flame the gift of God that you have through the imposition of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather of power and love and self-control. So do not be ashamed of your testimony to the Lord, nor of me, a prisoner for his sake, but bear your share of hardship for the gospel with the strength that comes from God. Take as your norm the sound words that you heard from me in the faith and love that are in Jesus Christ. Guard this rich trust with the help of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, the Word of the Lord, thanks, thanks be, be, to, be God. to God woo what struck you, Steph?
1: Well, just I always love the stir into flame reference, right I mean that just um,
0: there's so much in there that the Lord desires to stir up ignite, spark, ablaze, got the flame theme, the Holy Spirit to take uh to add that oxygen with the material, which is the wood, and to stir it in a way that can spread. It's a metaphor of the church that's meant to happen. Do we see it happening?
1: Right. I mean, right. do we see
0: our churches spreading? Do we see families maybe inflaming other families with that light of faith? It's there. It's being poured out to happen.
1: So again, just to repeat the I mean, it speaks for itself, but for God did not give us a spirit of cowardice but rather power and love and self-control. Do not be ashamed of your testimony to our Lord. Mm. Like that could be echoed and echoed and echoed and echoed. And I think for many of us um, Catholics who try to live it out too often, though we, you know, are a little hesitant to tell somebody, God bless you in the store as we're leaving, or, you know, even asking the question, you know, do you need prayers for something or, You know, all the ways that we can give testimony where we can take ordinary things to give great witness to the Lord in our faith, that we're not ashamed of it, right? And it's, you know, the last line is so beautiful. Guard this rich trust with the help of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, that the Spirit is alive in us if we just allow Him to, um, if we allow ourselves to cooperate with Him and to speak those words. You know, I, I just, I keep hearing... As you and I have both been talking this last half hour, again, um, we are blessed to be with you on Annunciation Radio, Ignite Radio Live, Greg and Stephanie Schleter, but our dear Bishop's words from the time that we were blessed to have him come to Toledo, which is his anniversary, I believe, is coming up October 22nd, Um, JP2's Feast of Something, (laughs) yes, Um, uh, just that... His proclamation to us, his challenge to us, his mission, his you know it's been called many different things, but holy disciples, holy families, holy vocations that covers it all, right, and so again, what are we doing in our testimonies and not being ashamed and allowing the Spirit to work in us in us and carving out that time and taking our responsibility as Catholics? Serious as parents, as spouses, as you know, all that the Lord has called us to. That it's easy to be a disciple, you know, just to throw that word out there. Family vocation, but that key adjective, holy. What does it mean to be holy? To be set apart. Are we set apart in this culture? Can people can people tell that we're Christian and that we're bearing life? And right. Light. So each of those things. What can I do to be a holy disciple? What can we do to be a holy family? What can we do to live out this vocation in a holy way?
0: So, Steph, we've said it before, but we're suffering from amnesia. We've forgotten who we are. We've been clunked on the head by the enemy who surrounds us. And the distraction, Lord of the Flies, is another image. Beelzebub literally means Lord of the Flies. What does a fly do? Has no power, but it distracts us. Everybody in an intimate conversation with somebody, and your eyeball to eyeball, and your hearts, you're connecting. It's flowing, and this pesky fly maybe is buzzing around. That's the power of the enemy around us. So we're in amnesia; we've forgotten who we are. Well, who are we? Because of the confusion, God sends His Son into the world. Obviously, we know it's the separation of us perennially. Uh, In the garden but he reveals his nature in Jesus Christ and what does he reveal in Jesus Christ I've shared this before we see these movements in every movie every drama every story we see life we see it flow to a crucible a suffering a death from that death we see a resurrection a new life and we see it inform a mission in between each of those are simply these movements that we who are of the nature of Christ Imago Dei, we all share these movements. Simply, we're to be emptied that we might be filled to overflow. I'll say that again. We're to be emptied of what? Sin, debris, junk. Brothers and sisters, the good news tonight is if you've got debris or junk, attitudes that are spinning around, regret, resentment, lust, all the vices, if you're dealing with that, Christ, by virtue of his his, uh, life, death, and resurrection, has conquered that, we can declare right now, That this soul is a temple of the Holy Spirit. There's no room for that debris. We renounce it. Let's be emptied of it. But then we're filled with his glory, filled with his grace. We receive that grace. It anoints our minds and our hearts and our attitudes. It fills us. It floods us. We need to practice that, right? We need to practice the habit of the presence of God in our minds and hearts. But that's not enough. This is where I think maybe many Catholics come up short and where that that ember becomes fading and dies is we only go from empty to fill, but we never go to overflow. It doesn't overflow through us. And as Christ describes many times using the example of investment, if we don't extend it, if we don't share it, it dies. Even that which is given to us will die. And right now we need to exercise, shall we say, those muscles, that virtue of being mindful with his heart. Who needs to hear his love in our lives. We need to overflow that to others. Another positive news, four or five days ago, I always freaked my family out. I don't think so anymore. They're, they're not surprised anymore. We're pretty used to it. But uh, yeah, we're at Sam's Club, getting the car filled up back from a cross-country meet, I think. And um, I get out of the car, it's a beautiful day, and a uh, nice car pulls up next to me. It's cranking praise music, right? And uh, I let the little nozzle, you're not supposed to, but it's on its own. It's going auto. So Sam's Club being filled up. I go over to my brother and I say, was that praise coming out of your car? Sure was. What do you say we pray for each other right now? He just had this big beaming, right now? Right now. Let's do it. What can I pray for you? Next thing you know, I got my hand on his shoulder. He's got his hand on my shoulder. Literally for four or five minutes, we were lifting up intentions and praising God right there. Sam's Club. Uh, gas station parking lot it was a blessing people were attuned John our buddy John Kennerd, who's an awesome attendant there he's like he's 12 foot 10 before. tall guy yeah. he's been on our show anyways this was such a delight and such a joy that blessed me and I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back I'm suggesting that God gave me the gift to hear the praise come out of his car so he's proclaiming it right that to go over there that reinforced my own confidence that he is alive, that he wants to do something through me, that there's parts of me that um, he wants to minister to through other people. That's what our families ultimately are meant to for, uh, forge in us, an atmosphere where we can be bold, where we can speak truth, where we can apologize and forgive. That whole realm of the gospel is meant to come alive and be living in our homes and marriages and families.
1: So I, that made me think, too, of a beautiful homily we heard from our wonderful, awesome pastor, Father Adam Hertzfelds. Not so long ago, but he was commenting on the Great Commission, um, you know, to go to all the ends of the earth and, you know, proclaim Jesus and baptize and share the faith. And, um, you know, and he spoke of, okay, it started with 12 and then it went to the 72. Hmm. Okay, we'll give them 72. And he said, how did they do that? How did that Great Commission spread that even today to pretty much all the corners of the earth with maybe a few exceptions here and there, but, um, you know, in such an amazing way to start with so few. And he said, the answer is the home. Mm -hmm. He said, they went into people's homes and they, they preached there and they taught them to pray and the families, the homes there. That's where the faith spread. And he said, that's where it is, needs to be today. That is how we're going to reclaim culture. That is how we are going to spread the good news. It has to be the home. The culture is preaching down everybody's throats. Not a message that's good news, guys, right? It's a culture of death, and we need to proclaim as Christians, and in particular as Catholic Christians, to hold that banner high and to proclaim a culture of life that we need to relearn so often and that we need to teach our children that language in our homes. That's where it begins. That's how it spreads. That's where the overflow comes from. I have. Um, I don't know if you wanted to say something. I have two other praise reports Please. of good news. Um, so a, a very dear woman who moved from this area a few years ago um, got in contact with us, and she was she and her family she her husband and her kids um, had come to our home a number of different times for what we have dubbed Catholic family gatherings. So once a month, we opened our house up and. Um, for prayer and fellowship. And it's been on hiatus through the summer, but we'll start again in in a different form. So for however many years, once a month, hosting an opportunity for families to learn from each other, to pray together, to fellowship. And so feeling very called where they are at now a few hours from here to do the same thing, just was on their hearts to do. And so this is her praise report She said, Thank you for the prayers. It was so beautiful, and we could feel his presence among us. My favorite part was praying the rosary. There was a little shy boy who shined and led a decade. His parents were beaming. It is so important for kids to see families praying together outside of Mass and not just checking a box. We had good discussions regarding how to go forward and be challenged this week in living our faithfulness. Thank you for all your words of encouragement. We are so looking forward to our next gathering. I mean, that was just something that, you know, the she responded to. She and her husband said yes to what the Lord had placed on their heart. That that, you know, little feeling, that little calling, and blessing other families now. And as that spreads and their plan is to do it regularly. Praise God. That's great news.
0: Awesome. So I want to remind you folks again that this for us is commercial of um talking and praying in your homes is not just a special uh you know infrequent thing it's all the time and you can go to ilovemyfamily.us anytime you'll see there simple, fun questions to gather your family. Um, We call the daily questions where you talk about a victory and a challenge. We say daily because you memorize them pretty easily and when you're in the car, it's a great way to open up meaningful conversations, to connect with Christ alive in one another. Uh, Then we have the readings, the first, the second, and the Gospel from the subsequent Sunday. And invite people what struck you, challenged you, inspired you, what questions did it raise. Again, these have become culture and habit in the Schleter home and many other homes and it forms us it forms our minds it forms our hearts but in a particular way i am inviting you again to plan as a family to break through the resistance break through the awkwardness and in fact if you have that awkwardness or resistance ask yourself the question who's influencing it where is it coming from god gives you the grace to break through the resistance to do the most important thing you are called you are appointed and anointed to do that you've made a vow to in your marriage. You made a vow to at your baptism to do this, to gather and meaningfully talk and pray. So we're inviting you right now to plan on seven consecutive weeks in Advent. Not kind of, sort of, not maybe, not if it happens, but to put the flag in the sand beginning November and to commit yourself to seven weeks of talking and praying. What's pretty cool about that among other things, is the last three weeks will be uh, also include our presents for Christmas. If those of you who've been to this know how powerful it is, it'll be at St. Joan of Arc, the three Wednesdays preceding Christmas. So those coincide with these seven weeks. I also want to say to you men out there, um, if you've been through a Cursillo or a CHIRP, powerful events, right? Um, whatever event you've been through, some of us ask the question, well, what does this look like in an ongoing way? What does ordinary faith look like to be a man of God? Well, we came up with Pentecost 365, and you can find out about that, pentecost365.us. A number of national leaders on board, two awesome bishops are on board with this. It's spreading throughout the country. Seven commitments of encouragement for men to what? To receive the grace. You know, we're struggling with things in our lives And we don't need to. We're struggling needlessly because we're not responding, disciplining ourselves to receive the grace poured out and the gift God wants to give us. So men, if you're listening right now, and if you're a good uh, encouraging, I won't say nagging, if you're a good encouraging wife or grandma, speak to those men in your life, direct them to pentecost365.us, and check it out. It's one page. Read through it. Seven easy commitments, unite with us. On the second Monday of the month, we've got a pretty awesome speaker with confession uh, coinciding as brothers in this area to talk and pray for just an hour. It's an hour and a half, I should say. It goes from 8 to 9.30, the second Monday of the month. So it's coming up October, I guess, 14th. So mark your calendars. Pentecost365.us. And now, Steph, if you're ready, are you ready? Um, almost. Okay. <laughs> so I'm keeping everybody She's going to sing a song for us. Not yet. Um,
1: I just wanted to share a little uh, good news, if you will, that has to do with St. Therese. And this was actually from our daughter, Anne-Marie, part of something um, that she had written. She says, St. Therese has been such a present intercessor in my life, and wow, it's so cool that we don't have to do life alone. The reality that we can pray for each other that we have saints praying for us and fighting for us and showing us that we're not alone. So cool. St. Therese inspired me with her wholehearted desire for Jesus. She wanted him, and she let go of all of her plans. What she thought she wanted was completely different from what her heart was actually created to want. And it took her slowing down, growing up, and more deeply encountering love of the Father before she was able to truly know what this was. Awesome. So beautiful. So in light of that, the story that I would like to share um, was actually something that I did not witness, but I've heard from a few different people now. We know that our our prayers are united, um, in particular with the community out at Holy Trinity Mm -hmm. um, Parish um, and Assumption. At the loss of uh, Colin Lumbreser and the effect that that has had um, on their community and how many people are mourning, obviously, in particular, his family. Um, so we lift you in prayer. So his funeral was yesterday. Can I pause you yes. a second?
0: One of a large family.
1: So he was a 19-year-old young man, um, very on fire with the faith, very in love with the Lord and lived it out Um Uh, who was killed in a car accident last week. So tragic, unexpected, um, very sad death. And so this story was shared with his parents and then um, Father Mike Dandaran, who was very close with him and walked um, a discernment road with him, shared it in his homily. So as I understand the story, and again, I've heard this third person now. The beauty um, of
0: transmitting the faith, all right?
1: absolutely. Transmission of the faith in family life and, um, his family has lived it and continues to live it. So, um, Colin was blessed to have a holy hour. Um, they have adoration there. I believe it's a 24 hour period Tuesdays, Tuesday into Wednesday morning. And his hour was 2 AM to 3 AM. And, um, That was a few hours before he was killed. So six hours before he died, he was in front of our Lord in the blessed sacraments. And the man who followed his hours, he was coming in, um, apparently had reported that Colin was praying so reverently and intentionally and pouring it all Mm -hmm. out he said he was glowing with joy yeah, that's beautiful. when love and the way it was described um, was just this incredible encounter a conversation that he was having with our eucharistic lord right there right in front of him and you know when i heard that you know and then thinking okay he had this incredible love an encounter of the lord in six hours later god willing with mercy on his soul had the encounter Mm -hmm. into eternal life. And I guess thinking of that through the eyes of a parent, you know, like how beautiful that he received the gift that was given to him in his family and made it his own and expressed it in that way. And the effect that that testimony of good news, that he didn't do it to be seen. He had no clue that somebody was there when they were there um, and how that story has been shared over and over and over again and is touching so many others. So it's, yes, our actions, yes, our words. Do not be ashamed to give that testimony. We love Revelations twelve eleven. They defeated the enemy by the blood of the Lamb our precious mass and by the word of their testimony, proclaim it listeners, proclaim it with your actions, proclaim it with your intentions, proclaim it in sharing what the Lord is doing Mm -hmm. in your life. It doesn't have to be some crazy, holy roller sounding thing. It's meant to be as St. Therese ordinary has shown us doing those ordinary things with extraordinary love. You know, father Adam talked this morning at morning mass homily, you know how she would pick up a pin and say, I pick this up with love, you know, for the conversion of a sinner Mm -hmm. and that that little act of love can save somebody's soul.
0: So a little more about Cullen. Also, his one of his sisters is a religious in the Ann Arbor community, Dominicans. And um, just to pause a moment. So John Paul, very busy, demanding schedule at Hillsdale. He uh, has a number of what did I call him? Oh, my our son, right? John Paul. So he's 18. And, um, you know, so he's very busy. He's an hour and something away. And he had a number of meaningful encounters with Cullen, uh, Joseph and John Paul, our two sons, uh, lead had led this lit group in our home. Cullen had come a couple of times, but the impact of Cullen was so substantial uh, John Paul was very choked up when he heard about this, as was Joseph, who's a missionary down at Damascus. John Paul found a way to, to uh, certainly get off his classes on Monday to get a ride. Thank you, Chris Bragg, for doing that and bringing John Paul the night before Sunday. Uh, and so um, John Paul, that night, I uh, went with him to the viewing. So to see the sisters there and the, the sense Um, Yes, of sadness, but of kind of a purposeful sadness. And if this is any consolation, it just so much struck me there that the only thing greater than our desire for Cullen to be with us is his desire now for us to be with him. I'll say that again. The only thing greater than this family and our desire, which is huge, I can't imagine it. I have children that age. For our desire for him to be with us is him now, attaining pursuing somewhere in that process we believe on the way to that eternal reward in the presence of god where there's no sorrow no sickness none of that and now an intercessor before the throne or soon to be intercessor before the throne ushering us up into that eternal glory so keep praying for colin keep asking for his prayer for us and all the others um, who are part of this so The Mass, we heard the testimony of the sisters who were there and how they surrounded the coffin and sang beautifully uh, without a dry eye in the place because here they are having consecrated their lives to God in a very special way to give witness of things eternal, that matrimony that we're all called to and destined to, that intimacy with God and that witness that they are. In their, their, the way they, you know, uh, their habits, which God designed to be a witness to the rest of the world is something special there. But the singing and the focus, what a beautiful uh, experience of heaven here on earth, of a passage of all of us. We're all heading in that direction. As we like to say, funerals are teachers, but too few of us are taking notes. I'll say that again. Funerals are teachers, but too few of us are taking notes. And the main note is we're going in that direction. But God gives us right now this very moment to be an instrument of His grace for those in our lives, for ourselves to discover Him, so that one day we may be in that place for all eternity in His glory, so
1: so as the sisters sang, someone who was there described it as it was as if you know they were taking him and just lifting him up, you mm-hmm. know to be received, and just how powerful in such a a moment of sadness and great grief, the hope of the resurrection Mm -hmm. that we have and God's mercy and his merciful love. And um, just to experience that and again, the witness of the beautiful sisters and their beautiful habits with great joy uh, amidst that sadness, knowing the promise of our baptism and that Colin lived out.
0: I'd like to conclude with the gospel for this coming Sunday. And again, encourage you all to check out. I love my family dot us. It's nothing we created, no genius of ours. We're simply responding to that grace, giving testimony to its power, encouraging you to join us to see that this is the, the greatest gift God gives us. So reading from the gospel, according to Luke, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your servant, who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, Come here immediately and take your place at table? Would he not rather say to him, Prepare something for me to eat? Put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink. You may eat and drink when I am finished. Is he grateful to the servant because he did what he was commanded? So should it be with you. When you have done all you have been commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we are obliged to do. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
0: So the Lord reveals to us, And we have this great gift of our faith that has retained this treasure, faithfully transmitted it. Think about this. Throughout the ages, as Stephanie shared the story, second or third person of Cullen and his family. So we've got the continuing transmission testimony of God, the second person of the Trinity, communicating to us the path to eternal life. And we pray uh, that that grace would continue. One second, Steph. I'm going to check on Dominic, so if you can continue this.
1: Yes, we pray that that grace continues for each of us as we um, transmit that faith to others.
0: God bless you. Have a great week.